This is the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, it's Bernadette, and I'd like to remind you that the information in this podcast is my opinion only and is general in nature and should not be taken as personal advice. There are significant risks with buying and renovating property, and before you take any action, you should always seek independent advice that's relevant to your personal situation so that you maximise your return and you minimise your risk. The examples in this podcast are for illustrative purposes only. Hello everyone, it's Bernadette back with another episode of She Renovates. And today I have a guest in Catherine Flantov. Now Catherine has a business called Innovative Property Advocates. She has a real estate background and I'm going to let her actually elaborate on her role. But before I do that, I guess the reason that I've invited Catherine on is because I have noticed that with a lot of our students, when they go to market, often they struggle with the decision around what agent to choose and the decisions. It's quite a stressful time going to market because you feel like that, you know, you've got the weight of your world, the world on your shoulders when you are making decisions around offers and a strategy. And so Catherine, Catherine has a service that helps with that. And I wanted to flesh that out a bit more because uh, a lot of people don't know about this and I actually think it's a godsend because, you know, for anyone that's not confident, you know, in, you know, a lot of uh, renovators and so on have bought and sold a lot. I've bought and sold a lot and I still get value out of having someone with that expertise to really bounce ideas off when you're making those key decisions because often everyone is, I guess, clouded with emotion. Um, at that time or, you know, their months of hard work have gone into this project. They want the best outcome and sometimes that can produce, that emotion can produce uh, decisions that aren't the best for your project. With that long introduction over, uh, welcome, Catherine. Thanks, Benedict. Yeah, and I'm just wondering whether you can first, I guess, tell us a bit about your background and what you do. Okay, so um, so I am a licensed real estate agent. Um, I've been a licensed agent since 1992. So I've seen it all, uh, done it all. So when it comes to dealing with real estate agents, I, I really know what goes on in the, inside their head. So basically what we do, it's called seller's advocacy. And it's basically um, a seller's advocate is someone who has an intimate knowledge of the buying and selling process. So they know the process inside out. It's usually an ex-real estate agent or it may not be, but um, obviously that's the best way to go, having a real estate background. We work exclusively for the seller, so we don't have any interactions directly with the buyers. Uh, We um, engage the agents to do that. They take care of that. 
Um, we take a, a more holistic approach to the sale process than, a, let's say, a real estate agent would. So we start right at the beginning from helping prepare the property for sale. Um, so that could be by way of minor renovations. It could be um, repairs and maintenance. It could be property styling, that type of thing. So we give advice around doing that. We also establish a realistic price estimate for the property because when you're interviewing agents, um, the agent's obviously going to tell you the highest price um, that may not always be achievable. So sometimes it can, be, it can be very difficult to know who to trust. It can be, unless you know your market inside out, that's why you really need to do your research. So that's uh, where we come in. Um, we establish a realistic market estimate for the property. So um, we help you choose the right real estate agent. We take care of that whole interview process for, for them. And then we look at which sale method is, is better for you. Should it be auction or private treaty? What's going to get you the best result? Um, so, and then we basically work with the agent throughout the whole process to achieve the highest price for you. So we keep the agent focused, we keep them honest, we keep the whole process transparent, and we just take a lot of stress off the seller. Right. Um, we also, I mean, people often say to me, so how do you differ from a real estate agent? So I've kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, so a real estate agent will, in a transaction, they typically deal with a buyer and a seller in the same negotiation. Sometimes that can be a conflict of interest, um, whereas a seller's advocate, we only deal with the seller. So there's never a conflict. Um, by having us there, it actually leaves the agent free to do what they should be focusing on, and that is the marketing and dealing with the buyers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So can we, uh, I just want to dig in a little bit deeper there. So um, one of the things that I, I certainly see happen a lot, and I'm sure you would have seen this all the time, is um, buyers. So usually a buyer's uh, expectations are quite high because they're coloured by emotion and the seller's, uh, sorry, the seller's expectations are quite high and the buyers, you know, obviously they want to get it for the lowest price. And so an agent in his conversation with the seller will often quote sort of the highest possible price he can with, within the law in order to get the listing because listings are bread and butter for them. Is yes. that correct? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. And often then they spend the campaign trying to marry the two sets of expect expectations up and often that can be quite a devastating experience for the seller. So I'm, I'm guessing that's part of your, um, by getting a realistic um, value, you sort of negate that process. Would that be correct? Yeah, exactly. Because we're, I mean, we're, although we are working with the, the agent, we are completely independent of them. So we have no benefit in telling the seller an overinflated price. Um, we're all about telling them the truth because we want to make the process as streamlined and as efficient as possible. Um, but if you're going to overinflate their expectations from the beginning and let's say in the first week they get a great offer but, of course, it's lower than the initial expectation and they knock it back and then three weeks later they end up selling for or even longer than that, they end up selling for less than that, that offer. That happens all the time. Because their expectations are set up here and until they go through that, agents call it a conditioning process where they 
you know, for the next few weeks, they just keep knocking them down in, the, in their expectation. Mm. Oh, the market's changed in the last two weeks or, you know, it's yeah. just unbelievable some of the things that, that they can say. And having us there is we're, we're basically um, an extra layer of security for the seller and yeah. also add a little bit more control to the process. So yeah. having someone there that knows exactly what they're doing to, to guide them and give them honest advice um, really, really helps. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. So the other thing that I have seen happen, and I think this is also another case for you. So I'm just a walking ad for you, Catherine, just saying. Okay, excellent. <laughs> case Love for it. your service is that, um, so um, one of the things that can really kill a sale is pitching the guide too high. Um, yes. And that's something I see quite a bit with renovators. They're very attached and they think, feel that if their guide is too low, that they're never going to get the best price for the property. And that just kills their opportunity for getting the best price. Would you agree with that? Most definitely. Um, I mean, I presume that most of the times uh, they're guided by the agent insofar mm. as the price range to quote and that's when I'm doing my interviews that's a question that I always ask I, I delve quite deeply into the pricing strategy I like to see how they plan to what price range they're going to be quoting to people how they're going to back up that price range because you a lot of agents just quote a price range but they've got nothing no comparable sales or anything to back it up and these are all things that they need I like to make the process as easy as possible for buyers and as transparent as possible. Yeah. Um, so, and if you're going to be just quoting silly prices, even if it's too high or if it's too low, you, you're causing exactly you know, on both yeah. sides. So you've really got to be in the middle. But unfortunately, the way the market has been trained over the years is that everybody will still add ten percent. Whatever the agent quotes, everyone will still add ten percent. So. It's hard to, even if you are honest about your price range, people will add 10% on oh, oh, no, it's too, too much for me. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, a fine, it's a really fine line. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the um, things, so um, uh, over the years I've always felt that the, the, early, the early offers are usually the best and it was only recently that I really figured out why and I think it's because the early offers come from people who have been in the market and searching for a long time. Correct. Yes. And so when they come in and WEMO make an offer, um, often um, sellers will think, oh, well, I've got that one, so the best, uh, you know, better offers will come in. But yes. often that's not the case and that's it's a really unfortunate situation because often you, can, you could be uh, turning down the best offer you're going to get and then, you know, months later take something that's much, much lower. That's right. Yeah. You yeah. just have to know how to manage that process and to manage the buyers. I mean, I normally tell my clients that um, I like to have at least two open, two sets of open houses like two weekends before we will make a decision on, let's say we get an offer in the first week, I'll still say, look, we just still want one more open house um, and just keep them there. Um, yeah. Once you get a good number of people through and as long as the agent does their job well and they do the feed, the, the follow-up calls and they, 
they they ask the questions well okay if you're not interested in the, in the property but what do you think the property's worth just out of interest and to get that type of feedback too because yeah. that's important a lot yeah. of our agents don't do that and i always ask my agents because i want that in our report that we get they give, give us every week um, because it's even though they're not interested they're the ones who are going to give you the most realistic and honest feedback Exactly. And uh, yeah, that, that feedback is critical. Like we've moved furniture based on feedback. Like, you know, feedback is, oh, the living room's too small. So they look at it, too much furniture, get all the furniture out. So that, that is critical because you can adjust the results along the way if you know what the um, objections are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I know one of the things that will be running through the heads of people listening to this is, well, I've got to pay the agent, you know, 2% or whatever of the sale price. Uh, by engaging a seller's advocate, I'm going to have to, it's going to increase my, the cost of the sale. So how, so do you mind sharing how you structure the fees? Sure. Well, the interesting thing about this service is it actually doesn't cost the seller anything extra. And that's because we take a small percentage of the agent's fee upon settlement. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite common in the industry. It's known as a referral fee or an introduction fee. And if you know much about any of the um, uh, websites out there, like Rate My Agent, Open Agent, those websites, they actually charge the agent 20% of their fee if some uh, someone that they send to them, like an email address only, signs up with them and they charge them 20%. For what we do, we're actually doing half of the agent's job and we're just charging a little bit more than that. Yeah. So um, the agents are used to um, disruptors, I suppose, in the real estate industry because it's an area where people see that there's a lot of money to be made, I guess, a lot of opportunity. And the agents, um, at first they sort of see us as a little bit of competition because we take away the control that they can have over the seller. Um, but once they work with us and they see, you know, how much easier it is for them because it leaves them free to do what they do best, and that's, you know, as I said before, dealing with the buyers and the open houses and um, they actually love, they love the process. So um, it's really a service that it's going to change the way people sell property because it adds that extra layer of security and it doesn't actually cost the seller anymore. So That's why wouldn't they use someone like us who they can trust 100% to guide them through the whole process? That's kind of the question. Yes. Well, that was a bit of a leading question, I have to admit. But yeah. um, I think, you know, and particularly for someone who is, feeling quite nervous about the whole, um, you know, the whole transaction. It's, it's a brilliant service. And the other place where I can see value for us is um, in areas where you don't normally operate. Yes. I, ha I had a sale last year in a, in a property that we renovated in Queensland and I did the research on the agents and I had figured out that I, ha I had the best agent for the price bracket we were in. And when it came to setting the guide, he wanted to, I said to him, I do not want, I'm not overly ambitious about what we get for this. I want to pitch the guide 
at a fair price. I don't want to be, you know, have high expectations. And so, but I'm going to have to be guided by you because I don't know the area at all because I bought through a buyer's agent. And he pitched the price at 20000 more than what we had had in our feasibility. And we went, like, we went two weeks without, oh, I think we had people through, but, and it just didn't make sense. And I went back to him and said to him, you've got to lower the guide, it's ridiculous. And I said, why did you do that in the first place? And he said, oh, sometimes we fluke. <laughs> oh. Oh, I wish you had told me that. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> I really should have had a seller's advocate there because, um, yeah. Anyhow. I mean, it's it's a I mean, it's the largest asset that people will ever sell, and just to rely on what one person says, it's it's pretty crazy. It is, yes, it's very difficult. So, um, do you have any examples of people that you've worked with and that have had particularly tricky issues? Oh well, I wouldn't say tricky, but I, I find that um, we get a lot of people come to us that. They don't like dealing with agents or they want to spend some money on that on the home but they don't know where they should spend it. So we had we had one client come to us and he said, look, I've interviewed three agents. He said, I wanted their advice on what to do to the house. I'm, you know, I'm prepared to spend about 10 or 20 grand. Um, and all that they could say was, well, just clean up, declutter, and let's get the house on the market as soon as possible. Mm. So um, he just felt like he couldn't trust trust them. So he came to us and um, we had a look through and basically I saw that there was potential to add a fourth bedroom. So um, the home, they actually purpose-built it for themselves. So the whole upstairs area was a master retreat and it was three bedrooms. So we actually split up. The, I, I drew up the plan myself. We split up the um, the whole the top floor and added an extra bedroom up there. Um, so they still had their walk-in wardrobe. I mean, the, the place was massive. Um, so that opened it up to a whole different market. So just to give you an idea of the difference that that made, or the other thing we did was their driveway was um, dirt. So we just got them to gravel gravel that some pebbles and things so they spent about 21,000 all up and the agents that came through initially quoted around 800 that they could get around 800,000 for the property um, after we did the works um, we actually sold it for 920,000 wow so they saved they spent 21,000 they made an extra hundred plus we saved them about five grand in negotiating the, the sales commission and the marketing so that was that was a pretty excellent result. That's brilliant. Well done. And so and so you can still negotiate the commission even though you're taking a, a referral fee. Yes. So that's the other question I get a lot is, well, do you add your fee on top of the commission? Definitely not. We always make sure that our clients are paying a competitive selling fee for that location. All areas in Sydney are different. They all charge differently. So we, um, we understand what the, the going rate is in the area and we make sure that we're not overcharging the client. So the agent gets less fee, but they're doing less work. Yep. So 
Yeah, and you're bringing them the listing in effect. And I'm bringing them a listing on a silver platter because it's already presenting beautifully, it's already styled, it's already renovated, everything's already done. And what I say to them, and this is kind of like a dream for them, is, well, I'm going to make a decision in two days' time and you'll have this listing by next Monday. So when you when you put it like that, they'll do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and I always leave the negotiation of the fee until we've decided on which agent. So I never base my decision on what they say they can get for the property for obvious reasons or how much commission they charge because I know those two things, one is variable and the other one we can negotiate. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so now another question that I've been asking everyone at the moment is what's your take on the market at the moment? So we're just coming out of the COVID lockdown and there's a lot of differing opinions about what's going to happen. I'm curious to know yours. <laughs> um, well, wouldn't it be good to have a crystal ball? Wouldn't it? Um, yes. Look. I, I don't believe I don't believe the um, the doomsdayers that that's going to drop, you know, twenty percent, thirty percent because the property market. There's always people who need property. They always need somewhere to live. Um, there's always people in circumstances that perhaps may force them to sell. So there's always going to be a turnover of property, and I think the fact that interest rates are so low is what's holding up the market. The other thing I think that's holding it up at the moment is the um, the banks um, pausing of, of repayments. That's helping as well. I'm actually going to be um, doing an interview myself soon, uh, tomorrow actually with a mortgage broker just to get his gauge on how he sees that's going to look when that dries up um, and what will actually happen, what, what the banks are going to do. Um, so mm -hmm. I guess it all depends on, on that. Um, what's going to happen. Um, I think that I'm going to be looking to buy soon. I'm keeping my eye on the market at the moment and I think as soon as they announce that the stamp duty is abolished, I think <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm hoping that they're going to do that. That's when they tell you that the tooth fairy is real. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that's going to happen? I'd be surprised. But, mm. you know, I guess stranger things have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think it would definitely be a big boost to the market, and I think that people are waiting. I think mm. for the mm. outcome of that. But all parts of Sydney are different, and I think that's probably why you know you might have differing views on what's actually happening now. Because some areas have a lot of supply, some have limited, some are a seller's market, some's a buyer's market. Mm. It's really really hard to tell. Mm. But um, I guess. If you're buying to renovate, it's the usual supply and demand. So um, if you're buying in an area that has a good differential between renovated and unrenovated properties and you can pick it up for a good price because of what's happening at the moment, you can add exceptional equity straight away to the properties. Exactly, so. yeah. Actually, I was having a chat with my agent yesterday and he said that they have got, there are record pre-approvals in, um, well, their mortgage brokers are telling them. Um, so there's a lot of people getting pre-approved. I'm guessing that they're doing that, you know, to try and get in before things go pear-shaped. And he also said that they've got a lot of people on their rent roll that are 
uh, retirees that have an um, investment property and are living with diminished income because they've had to reduce the rent and would like to put their property on the market but have to live without the rent to do it. So it will be, you know, I think that's probably, investors is probably going to be where there is going to be um, a little bit of movement and more stock kind of coming on the market. Mm. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so um, for if anyone wants to contact you, maybe you should, uh, is there a particular area you work in? Um, yeah, I'm focusing in the eastern suburbs, um, Southern Shire, Inner West, St George. Okay. Basically. Awesome. So if anyone wants to get in contact with you, how do they do that? So you can go online at innovativeproperty.net.au, Catherine at innovativeproperty.net.au, or my number is 0411-522-33. Beautiful. Okay, so those details will also be in our show notes. So if you're needing, if you couldn't get them down, then you can um, go to the show notes and there'll be a link there. So um, is there anything you want to add, Catherine? I guess that the types of people that use a seller's advocate, people yep. often ask me that. So um, people who are time poor, who don't have a lot of experience with buying and selling, as you said before, perhaps they have a bad experience with real estate agents, um, trust is an issue. Um, but we're also doing a lot of work with deceased estates and family law, um, people who are getting divorced. Okay. When there's uh, multiple parties involved, we find that we act as an in, like a mediator or an, um, uh, we help with the communication. We help to sort of keep it unified and to keep everyone on the same page. So they're usually the types of clients that we're working with. That's amazing. I, to be honest with you, the deceased estate is an, that's a, definitely an area of need. I'm, I'm sure they all are. But when you've got more than one party making a decision, life can get very complicated, can't it? It sure can. <laughs> okay. It's nice among family, but, you know, sometimes it can cause issues. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for um, sharing your um, expertise with us. I think uh, a lot of listeners will have found this very enlightening. And that's it for today. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks, Bernadette. Thank you, Catherine. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. 